So Daniel chapter 10, let's go there, Daniel chapter 10, the title of my message is, It's Not Automatic. Now there's a lot of things that are legal, but that doesn't mean they're alive. I'm legally married to that woman, it doesn't mean our relationship is alive. It's not automatically alive, I have to keep it alive. We can, act, we, we can wax eloquent all we want to about how we're one with Jesus and how we're one with God and how, you know, you can't get God to love you any more than He does already. And we can, we can go on and on with all sorts of grace-based statements, but if those grace-based statements have truth but they're absent of relationship, then the effect of the truth is not being worked out in the everyday tangibility of my life because I'm not embracing the relational aspect. And the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, the God, God the Holy Spirit, this, we have come to a person. We have come to a person. When we've been made in the likeness and the image of God... Meaning, we've been made in the likeness and the image of a person. Right? Ephesians 5.18 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit who you've been called. Grieve not. That means He can be grieved. You ever been grieved? You ever been grieved because you've got maybe a legal relationship, but it's not alive. There's things about the relationship that are harming the relationship. We, you know, we jest about things like, uh, like, like we are jesting right now, but this is very real. It's very true. We can allow our relationships to get harmed. We come into a room with the people that we love, and this is how we sit in the room. You think it's just teenagers, right? No, it's not just teenagers. It's, it's hilarious. People don't have to communicate with, any, with, with one another anymore. You can go anywhere in the public sphere. You can ride the sounder train to work. You can take a bus somewhere. You can go anywhere in the world and not have to communicate to anybody around you anymore. You can be engrossed in your phone and totally ignore humans. But we can do that at home as well. We can do that with legal relationships where I'm legally knit to somebody and I'm legally a partner with them and I'm legally a participant with them and I'm legally sharing a home with them. Maybe even so legally knit to them that I'm sharing a bedroom with them. But still distanced because I've allowed things to cloud, eclude, harm, come between the relationship. Don't think it doesn't happen at the wolf house. It happens at the wolf house too. We're yapping at each other all the time. Would you get off that phone, please? We have to check each other all the time. Because there's something crazy. Do you remember when all we had was the phone? I mean the old device that had a cord to it. Do you remember you could be talking, and doesn't this frustrate you about businesses? You could be talking to anybody. 
even your spouse, somebody you're extremely close to, and the phone rings. And what do they do? They're immediately compelled to leave this very important conversation where you were just about to grant them a million dollars and to answer the stupid phone. Happens at businesses, right? You're standing in front of the owner of the business. You're about to buy a $1 million car. His phone rings. He leaves you behind and answers the phone. Right? There's something so compelling about the phone. Well, that was the olden days when it had a cord to it. Guess what? Now it's everywhere. Now it invades. It's, 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 and, and it pops up and, and the, the little icons and they, and they beep and they whistle and they chirp and they, and they tell you, pay attention to this and, and don't pay attention to other things. Don't pay attention to who you're talking to and who you're in front of and what's important. Pay attention to this and So like good little sheep being led to the slaughter, we, we turn our attention to it, right? And so here we are. Here we are. We're, we're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable of having troubles with our microphones. Yes, Michael? Aren't you all good to see? Glad to see Michael's alive and well. It's nice to receive a new microphone from the $6 million man. He is back with us uh, after his most recent operational ministry, and he's doing good. Praise the Lord. So it's not automatic. It's not automatic. And this is part of why we're resetting. This is part of why we're pushing the reset button. This is part of why we, we're adjusting things and we're, we're re-looking at things and we're re-examining our lives and, and we're pressing in. We're pressing in because, because, yes, I have access to God. That's wonderful. I have access to God, but could I get closer? Could I get closer? Is the closeness, is it a God problem or is it a me problem? James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, right? So many times what's happening is is that, that we need to draw closer. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was very concerned. He observed the writing of Jeremiah, and he observed that the prophetic writing of Jeremiah had not come to pass. The promise had not been fulfilled, and yet the promise was from God who cannot lie. And so he begins to inquire. So, And he sets out to inquire by setting aside these four elements that we've been talking about this morning. Daniel chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict. And, but he understood the message, and he had an understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning. Everybody say mourning. I had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Then on the 24th day, on the 24th day, he had a visitation, and there was a 
There was a understanding given to him. So he sets himself aside and he's mourning. He's not mourning because he doesn't know God. He's not mourning because he's, he's worried about God. He's not mourning because he's distant from God. He's separated from God. This mourning, this fasting, this that he endeavored to do is because he wanted to draw near to God in communion in his own heart. He wanted to bring this petition to God. He wanted to not only be heard, but he wanted to hear. And many times when we unclutter our lives, we're uncluttering not just to be heard, but we're uncluttering that we might hear. A lot of times we're trying to talk God into things that he's gladly willing to release our way, But we've been so busy, we've not been able to hear. So part of this uncluttering is that we might hear. We're pursuing Him that our hearts would be open. And it's interesting that He set aside these four things because these four things are parallels to a symbolism of what God is, what the Holy Spirit is in our own lives. God is meat to us. He is sustenance. He is sweetness. He is bread. He is, he is sweetness to us. He is the bread of heaven. He is wine to us. He is the one who brings us the, 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 the new wine and the wine of the Spirit. These are parallels throughout the Word. He is ointment. He is anointing. He's a healing balm. He's a salve to our hearts. He is all of this, right? And so in setting those things aside, he says, my heart is running after you. My heart is, I want you to know that in this pursuit of hearing you, this pursuit of knowing you richer and deeper in knowledge, in understanding, in knowing that it's you that holds the secrets, it's you who holds the mysteries, it's you who holds my heart, it's you who holds the future, I'm setting these things aside because you are the reality, you are the substance of these four things in my life. This is what we want you to do every time you don't eat meat, every time you miss something sweet, every time you don't stop at Happy Donuts. Only three people giggled. That means there were only three donut stoppers in the building this morning. Wow, that's, 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 that's good. Okay, all right. Every time you don't stop at Cinnabon, those are overpriced anyway, don't, don't stop there. Every time you omit some of these items, as you, as you omit these items, and, and as we've talked about, movies or Facebook or whatever, other things that you just feel like, I just I want to set that aside. Realize you're setting it aside because the Lord is the substance of that thing. The Lord is the one that you're esteeming, right? And so we're really sanctifying. We're consecrating our hearts for a deepening of relationship Joshua 3, 5, before they went into the promised land, before they crossed over to the promised land, Joshua says to the people, chapter 3, verse 5, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves or sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among us. 
Now, there's something rich about that. There's something rich when I've got a relationship. There's something rich about me saying, okay, this is violating the relationship or this is encroaching. She says to me, she says that you're on your phone too much or or when we're together, I wish you would just give me your eyes or if I could just have your attention a little bit more. There's something rich about me recognizing that something's encroaching on the relationship. And I can say, hey, Knock it off. We're legally married. And hey, you're mine and I'm yours and don't worry about it. And I can, I can go over to this legal side and, or I can just, you know, I can get over here. But if the relationship is being hindered, if it's being harmed, if it's being wounded, if there's a grieving, if there's a lack of fellowship, koinonia is the word in the Greek, koinonia. And I want to go to that. If there's a lack of that and there's a sensitivity, then my heart My heart says yes to my partner. My heart says yes, I'm going to consecrate, I'm going to sanctify, I'm going to work on the things about me, the things with me, the things in me that are right now harming the nearness of our relationship. This is valuable to God. This is, this is valuable to us as a people. This is valuable to where we're going as a church. This is valuable to us as a nation. Come on, you're the glue right here holding the United States of America together. You are the glue. It's all of these assemblies of Zion that gather up every weekend and then interact with one another and love one another and fellowship with one another, expressing koinonia with one another. It's these assemblies that are the glue of this nation. And all of that flows of the richness of our relationship with Him, that we keep this relationship with Him fully rich, fully alive. Amen? Second Corinthians 13, 14. I want to go over to just a couple passages, a couple passages about relationship with the Holy Spirit. For me, I will make some other adjustments. You know, I'll, make, I'll be making other adjustments. Uh, this is 20, I know you're going to laugh right now, but this is 21 days where I also, I, I turn off secular music. So for me, it's, uh, you know, whatever, Jason Aldean or Luke Bryant or, he's not my favorite, but anyway. Rascal Flats or whatever, you know. You know, you know for the most part, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a pop music, whatever, what would, pushover. And I lean toward the country, what's the word, genre. Thank you. Okay, so for me, this is 21 days without secular music. For me, uh, it's going to be 21 days of all of my music is going to be Christian-based. And again, it's just me setting my heart. Uh, setting my heart and just and letting him know that he is number one in my life. Yes, Amen. So it's this. I, I want us to capture this idea of fellowship, though, cultivating fellowship, and, and just thinking, Holy Spirit, what can I be doing to cultivate fellowship with you uh, even better? Could we be in the same room and I'm not even paying attention to you? Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Paul ends this book. And the second of what we 
have set apart as the second book to the Corinthians, he ends this by saying, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The word here is koinonia. How many of you heard that word before? It's a Greek word, koinonia, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So our English Bibles translate this, the word fellowship, and, and that might, we, I don't know what that does for you. I don't know if that means coffee time at Starbucks. I don't know if that means potluck dinners with bad food. I, I, I don't know what that means to you. Joe and I, we grew up in these little bitty Pentecostal churches, so fellowship, fellowship might have meant a potluck to us, of which it, you were lucky if something good was in the pot. I mean, that's, you always look for mama's pot because at the potluck, you didn't know what would come, and some of these little tiny churches... You could find some interesting cat hair in the food. I, I'm telling you, you had to be careful what you were, what you were slurping up on. And so when we prayed over the meal at a potluck in those little tiny backwoods churches, you prayed. I mean, you literally prayed. In the name of Jesus, we command every germ is killed. All cat hair is turned into protein in Jesus' name. I mean, you, you prayed a big prayer over those meals because you didn't know what was coming in that potluck. But fellowship here, Paul talks about that we would embrace a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, understanding that the Holy Spirit is the person, the person dwelling in us, the person who's relating to us out of the Godhead, the person who's testifying within our hearts, the person who makes known the mystery of Jesus and the mystery of the Father to us, And he's saying that we would embrace, and he declares this over the Corinthians, that that they would embrace a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. This word koinonia, it it means three things, and I want to talk about those, but I want to go over to John and show you as well that John tells us, 1 John chapter 1, if you want to go over there, 1 John chapter 1, and here John is telling us that, that this is a primary reason why Jesus has come. A primary reason that Jesus has come is not for the forgiveness of sin. It's not to keep us from burning hell. All of those things might have relevance, but a primary reason that Jesus has come is to restore a fellowship relationship with God the Father and God the Son. They love fellowship. Do any of you love fellowship? Do you, do any of you, how many of you have children? Isn't it a cool thing, those of you that have children, isn't it a cool thing that when you're bestowing goodness upon your children and, and kindness upon your children, that they actually relate to you in fellowship as well? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about when you pour goodness or kindness upon your children, but they don't have time for you in fellowship? Do you... you any of you know what I'm talking about there and kind of what that feels like and kind of how, like, well, that was sure sweet, wasn't it? 
There's just something rich about fellowship with our children, right? And God is God's passionate about fellowship with his kids. Chapter 1, verse 1, what was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've beheld with our hands, and handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we've seen and we've heard, we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This, this is a huge breakout as far as religion goes. This is a massive breakout. We're no longer just following a code of laws. We're, we're no longer just following something that's written, uh, uh, the, the Decalogue, the, the commandments, the, the Pentateuch, and all of those things that were outlined for mankind to follow. We have fellowship with the Father. We can commune with Him. We can relate to Him. And yet, could it be that we have this legal, connected relationship and we're not taking advantage of it? We're in the same room, but we're on our phone. We're in the same room, but we're distracted. We're in the same room, but we're busy. We're in the same room, but we're consumed. We're in the same room, but we've got all these things going on. And the Holy Spirit is longing to inaugurate, to awaken, to quicken, to renew, to draw us into a fresh fellowship with God the Father, with God the Son, and the indwelling Holy Spirit within. Can you say amen? This word koinonia, it stands for three things in the Greek. It, it stands for communion. It stands for partnership. It stands for distribution. Communion in that we have things in common. It means that we, that we agree, that, we, that we, we are so engrossed in Him, so alive with Him, so quickened with Him, so in love with His Word. Kind of a John 15, 7. If we abide in Him and His Word abides in us, it's kind of that picture. It's kind of that Amos chapter 3, verse 2 picture. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Communion, common union. It, it means that we are so knit together that what He says is what we say. That what He's thinking is what we're thinking. Communion. This is part of why we take communion, that when we receive the elements of communion, we're celebrating that we've become one with Him, common union, that, we, that we've become one with Him. It's not just that we're recognizing the elements, but it's also that we are saying yes to His heart and His mind, yes to His passion and His desires, communion. It's also, it also means Koinonia also means that we are participants with Him. You know, there's a passage in Romans chapter 8 where it says that we are heirs with Him 
if we share also in his suffering. Koinonia, fellowship, true fellowship, this fellowship that he draws us into, that he pulls us into, that he's calling us into, is where we feel his heart. We feel him grieving. We feel his passion. We feel his desire. We feel what he's alive with. We feel his mission. That when his eyes move, our eyes move. We become participants with him. We are knit together with Him as partners, participants. And so we are alive and moving with Him as He moves. And if He is grieved, we're grieved. If He's suffering, we're suffering. If he, whatever He is feeling, that we begin to share that emotion. That's a sensitivity. I, I know in a marriage relationship or in our own relationships and family, sometimes that we can be callous of heart. We can miss a sensitivity. Someone can be going through something, and we're not emoting with them. We're not tuning in. We're not checking in. We don't care to know. We're, 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 it's too much trouble. And so we're not drawing near to them to inquire how they're feeling. And something about koinonia, something about this fellowship, is that we begin to even ask God about His heart. Instead of just being totally consumed with our heart, we're asking God about His heart. What moves you? What's happening with you? What's on your agenda today? What's on your docket today? What are you thinking about? What, what, what? And we're talking to Him as this dear friend, this dear lover, of whom his emotions concern us. Not that he's depressed, not that he's not victorious, but there are things on the Lord's heart. And when we capture what's on his heart, then we can carry that in intercession. We can carry that in prayer. We can carry that in proclamation. We can carry a deeper koinonia and fellowship with him that he loves because we are called to be his partner lovers, his intimate friends. There's an intimacy that comes out of all of this. Intimacy is one of the implications of koinonia. Intimacy. Intimacy. A closeness. Nothing separated. Leaving and cleaving. Leaving and cleaving. Let nothing, let nothing keep us from being one. We're intimate together. Come on, is this your heart? Is this your desire? Is this what you want? This is, how we, this is how we continue to become healthy Christians, a strong church, an effective kingdom. This is how we, we continue to readjust. We continue to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. There's things in my relationship, things in my life. I need to sanctify myself. Anybody need some sanctifying? What I like about Joshua 3.5 is that it's very clear the Lord does not do all your sanctifying for you. It's very wrong for you to say, well, I guess when he's done with that in my life, I'll probably overcome it. Don't put your sanctifying on Jesus. Now, a good Calvinist might do that. 
but I'm telling you it's dangerous. Scripture encourages us time and time and time again to separate ourselves unto the Lord, to separate ourselves from sin, to separate ourselves from things that are harming our relationship. Yes? You and I, we have a vital role in keeping this relationship alive, in seeing what's grieving, harming, hindering the relationship casting off every sin and every weight that so easily entangles us and running our race. I know I mentioned the three-letter cuss word we should never mention in church. Churches should never mention sin. The deeds of the flesh are evident. Galatians 5:19. I want to read this to you. So many great verses and I know they probably only apply to me. Once in a while they apply to Joel. Infrequently they apply to the Wolf family. So I'm I'm going to read a couple of these just for the sake of the wolf family, you can listen in. I need the band to come and help me with our first closing. Now, the deeds of the flesh or the flesh-led man, because he's talking about being led by the Spirit in verse 18. If you're led by the Spirit, that's totally wonderful, and you're not under the law. But the deeds of the flesh-led man are evident. They are immorality. Television is full of it. Movies are full of it. Ephesians 5 says, don't even talk about what the unclean do. Why do we keep going to watch it and paying them money if we aren't even supposed to talk about it? Did you hear me? Why are we parting with good offering money? Good investment money. Have you put enough money into movies you could have bought something good? I'm just bringing it up. Just a thought. The deeds of the flesh-led man are evident which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, being led by the senses, idolatry, lifting things up above God, putting them out of order, getting them out of place. By the way, you can be an idolater and still be saved. Just means you've got something higher than Jesus, something higher than it should be. It's out of order. Get it back into order. Get it back into place. Just preaching to the wolves. Sorcery, putting your faith in something other than Jesus. Enmity, that means fighting, strife, jealousy. Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Things like this, I've warned you that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you in this house, you aren't practicers of such things. But maybe some of these things need to be pushed out a little further. Let's stand as we close.
Maybe some of these things need to be pushed out a little further. Maybe slumber's encroaching on your morning prayer time. Maybe entertainment is encroaching on your times with Jesus. Maybe thoughts that aren't pure have been harassing and hounding you. The enemy is such a powerful seducer. He longs to draw us away. A little bit of bitterness can go a long way to throw cold water on our intimacy with Jesus. A little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of worry, a little bit of rejection. It's a powerful antidote against your walk with God, your intimate koinonia. The third word I wanted to touch on for koinonia is distribution. It's out of fellowship that God makes distribution deposits. It's out of fellowship that He makes deposits. Deposits flow out of koinonia. As you draw near to God, He draws near to you. That's what James says. But when He draws near to you, He draws near with a deposit. He draws near with distribution. It's one of the key elements of the Greek word koinonia, that He draws near with distribution. We freshly begin to hear Him. We freshly begin to have visitations. We freshly begin to have things happen in our life that we can't explain by the natural circumstances that surround them. Why? Because distributions begin to happen. Distribution flows out of Koinonia. When we begin to love Him, we begin to pursue Him a little bit more, not just out of a legal, not just out of that which is legally there but out of a fresh cultivation of relationship, then distribution begins to flow out of the heavenlies. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and make themselves available for us this morning. I want us just to begin to ask the Lord to touch our hearts. If you're here giving your life to God this morning, if you're here making your heart right with God this morning, And as we close, would you come and allow someone to pray with you this morning? If you're here and and even the things I'm talking about, there's been some kind of a blockade between you and Father. You're not sure that your heart is right with Him. And I invite you to begin to move out of your chairs now. Come, let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Come and receive. The assurance of forgiveness. The assurance of right relationship. For all of us this morning, if you would, heads bowed, eyes closed, just right where you're at. Begin to ask Father right now that these next 21 days would be rich, that they would be set apart. Begin to just pledge your heart to Him for this season. Embrace this season as a fresh pressing in relationally, pressing in to draw near.
an unclouding, uncluttering of our lives. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We draw near to you. We declare this to be a time of pursuing you for the unfulfilled promises, for the yet-to-be breakthroughs, for the things that are on your heart and on ours. We just open our lives up to pursue you fully, to run after you with all of our hearts. We agree. We agree. You are reviving your word within us. You are awakening your word within us. This is a season of breakthrough. Lord, we welcome dreams and visions. We welcome visitations from above. We welcome friendly, friendly, friendly friendly gestures out of the spirit realm. We welcome your goodness to overtake us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, we say this is a rich time in you. We declare this to be a rich time in you. We consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart unto you for your richness of relationship for your glory, for your glory, Lord, for your glory, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're serving down at, out in the uh, Daniel Fast Fair, we dismiss you to get out there and get ready. And uh, the rest of us, let's just worship as we close this morning.